First Peter, the epistle of Peter, the first epistle of Peter, chapter 2, 11, advises, exhorts the people in Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire. Beloved, I urge you to live as sojourners and ex stay exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh which wage war against us. If some of you may have a Bible translation where it says, Beloved, I urge you, as aliens and exiles, as foreigners, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. This church, the church in Rome was situated in the melting pot of the ancient world. People of various cultures and languages they came and it was a number one cosmopolitan city of those days. And to the church living and trying to survive in that situation, Peter writes to them and say, live as aliens. You may have a legal citizenship in Rome, but still you are aliens. To Philippians, Paul will write and say, our citizenship is in heaven, from where we hope to or wait for a savior to come. Every individual in, Rome, in, in the Roman city of Philippi were Roman citizens. By being virtue, by, by virtue of being having being citizens or dwelling in the city of Philippi. This is the paradox that we live in this world with as aliens with an entirely different value system. And these value systems conflict, sometimes contradict, and sometimes is at loggerheads and at war with the system that the world holds. You might have found that your colleagues in the workplace, in the university, where you teach or where you study, or in the neighborhood where you live, your neighbors, your colleagues, your fellow students, or your staff may not be believing exactly what you think is right. I'm not talking about faith here. I'm talking about value systems. What you call wrong is right for them. Their lifestyles are different. And they have no problem with the way they live, the way they dress, the way they behave. But yours is different. Mine is different. So we see ourselves at loggerheads with a hostile value system. It is not because we have a wrong value system. It is not because we have a value system which is not contemporary, which is a value system unfit for this world. No, the, the, we have a system or value system, lifestyle that the Bible dictates. There is a choice that we have to make every day between godly and worldly. But there are temptations to blend with the environment like the chameleon does. For a few minutes of time, 
a chameleon which is red in color can turn into green if it happens to be on a tree branch to blend with the color around it and it becomes one with the environment chameleons are so good with that particular thing a particular ability that they can go into any situation they can blend by that way they forget, they are very smart in uh, not to be detected not to become the the target of a predator sometimes we have to blend with people we hide our identity instead of wearing it on our sleeves our christian identity we hide it so that we can collaborate with our colleagues better we sometimes sacrifice our value systems we keep quiet about right and wrong when our people are wrong when in the wrong and always in the wrong we keep quiet because we don't want to create a conflict in the workplace or in the school or in the college we want to avoid any type of hostility we want to be friendly with any everyone sometimes it's out of fear of isolation and benefits that we may get by blending by giving in so many times you are tempted christian life is difficult because it demands that we live as foreigners in a value system that is unbiblical its christian faith is a counter culture it's always against the popular culture it's a christian we are citizens of a upside kingdom now the world goes in one way but whatever is valuable to that world precious whatever the world considers precious we consider it trash as saint paul says in philip the epistle to philippians it's a counter culture it's always contrary whatever the world says good we have to many times call it wrong because kingdom of god is an upside kingdom i'm going to preach a series of sermons today onwards from the book of daniel daniel is a man who was counter culture always and those of us i know in core the bible literacy is very low we have to improve it definitely read at least two chapters of the bible every day no i will not say if you can i say you should read we have to have the staple diet of the word of god regularly daniel as the story goes belonged to captives when the babylonian emperor nebuchadnezzar came and conquered judah he took many captives to his kingdom and he chose a few from the royal family from the nobility in jerusalem so that he can train them up to be appointed as administrators of his ever expanding empire and daniel and a few friends a lot of jews belong to that but the book is about daniel and three other friends of him who were taken to babylon 
to be trained as for to, to the administrative service of the emperor. They were, the plan was that they will learn Babylonian lifestyle, including food habits. They will learn Babylonian wisdom, knowledge, a whole wealth of that that Babylon had amassed over the years. But Daniel and his friends refuses. They said everything is fine. But they took a stand and they said, we will not eat the food from the king's table. What was wrong with that? The, for a Jew, food, there are some food laws. We don't, as Christians, we don't believe in that. We don't follow those food laws. But for them, for them, a Jew, according to the Old Testament, their relationship with God is determined or defined by what they eat and what they refuse to eat. Particularly, what they refuse to eat, they said that is part of their holy life. That signifies their relationship with God. Now, in an alien land, in a foreign culture, these people are provided with food which may not be according to the laws of the Bible. They may be forced to eat certain food which is not according to the scripture. So for Daniel and his friends, there is a scriptural standard about food, what to eat and what not to eat. So Daniel had to take a stand and say, no, we will not eat. And what happened? Now the safest way, now I don't eat certain meat. But when I travel, sometimes in some places, the food that is served, non-vegetarian food that is served, will be the food that I don't ever like to eat. I hate so the safest policy for me is to say that I am a vegetarian. I am a voluntary vegetarian. If there is meat, I will eat meat if there is no other way for various other reasons. So Daniel took a similar stand. Daniel said, we will only eat water and we don't know where your wine is coming from. So we will eat only vegetarian food and water only. We will not eat what the king eats because king has a different standard of food. King has a different principles and laws regarding food. Our laws, scriptural standard demands something. But the problem that the people of the royal canteen pantry had a problem. You know, they were asked to feed these people in such a way that they will grow up very attractive, handsome, and also brainy. You know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. So they were scared. Will vegetarian food will make them, or will the king be angry? These people will grow slim, 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 and become stupid, really, because they have to run the empire. They have to run the empire. Will they go disillusioned? Will they develop schizophrenia? 
that was his problem but then he said don't worry we will eat vegetarian food only only vegetables and water no wine now the issue the story resolves the long story resolves at the end of the 10 days of trial period trial they found that daniel and his friends three friends they have become smarter handsome and they are wise wiser 10 times more wiser than others that was really remarkable the babylonians have never seen this sort of thing that people who eat just eat salads and water turning to passing the competitive exam like in a breeze that is something new they rub their eyes yes same daniel has become his skin tone is shining skin tone his tooth uh, the teeth is a bright white whatever it is uh, i'm not a poet so then the rest of the history the remaining chapters of the book of daniel tells us he became the wisest man in the entire babylon entire babylon means entire known world he was a dream interpreter you tell him any dream he knows the inner meanings of it what is the dream that you had yesterday night the pastor will not be here there will be no sermon so we'll have a nice day no tell daniel daniel will tell you what is wrong with you i am not able to tell you that and he was in the corridors of power in the ancient world and god made him a visionary a visionary is someone who can see visions and what did he see the visions you know any young man will see vision about a beautiful girl or maybe more than one depends on his uh, mental condition but the the babylon this man had visions young man had visions of world's history the course of world history the scripture says that he ministered from the day of his appointment till the first year of persian king cyrus that means as long as the babylonian empire lasted this man ministered to the council of god in the corridors of power in the ancient world eating salads and water tap water not even mineral water a friend who came to me at my house the other day he brought me a bottle of water will you ever give people a bottle of water but he was so excited and he said sir what is this and i read the label the water bottle is from jw marriott which they serve there and said the water is from lava some lava mountains or spring and i said this is mineral water nowadays we get bottled water but this is pure mineral water from some volcanic sources and i impressed him so much that he drank it all without giving me a drop daniel was not drink, drinking a common mineral 
ordinary water and the man who raised or survived on ordinary water and salads you know he saw the empires the whole world's history he prophesied to the, the the emperor the king of babylon that god has taken your kingdom away from you and he saw the persian empire following him the great persian empire even to the north it extended up to the northern part of india we were also part of the north that great persian empire daniel saw that then he saw the rise and fall of greek empire then he prophesied about the rise and fall of the roman empire and finally he saw that what's going to happen in the end times the kingdom that christ is going to bring which will subsume all kingdoms that's the story now what what is that to do with us now you may be thinking those who are vegetarians here i think only one only one one another vegetarian in this congregation is this a propaganda for vegetarianism it is not okay by the way i am a vegetarian at home but i am not a vegetarian when i am invited as a guest to by people is this a propaganda for vegetarianism the best diet for indian civil service competitive exams is salads and water tap water no 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 this is not a propaganda for vegetarianism this is about how to live out biblical principles in a hostile world that's all that simply means how to live out what the bible say in public squares and marketplaces and it also tells us the, the corollary of that is simple that is bible principles truths are livable in any culture that's the simple that's a, that's the point the what the bible says is not outdated it is not something for an ancient world it is for us the contemporary world and it is livable the bible is living in a foreign country foreign world foreign culture culture which is foreign to your convictions and my convictions when our corporate flows demand our life on the corporate falls demand a life contrary to the biblical principle the bible demands that we find in the word of god the foundation for our lives psalm 115 verse 54 says your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning the house where i live or the situation where i live as a sojourn the your law your word the bible have been my songs in the house of my sojourning i know been in a corporate world but i know the challenges out there but the principle that guide us should be 
the foundation on which our life is built or the foundation on which we erect our life in a culture that is hostile to the kingdom values should be the bible we should delight in it it simply says not believing it says it being my songs i've been singing the laws of god the law of god in that hostile land second thing daniel was uh, was uh, giving us an example is an example that the word of god protects us from tempting situations there could be situations where we are tempted so tempted very powerfully tempted in the world out there this is not about church life i'm not talking about church life at all the life after coffee today when the church is over i'm talking about that situation word of god protects us from doing wrong same song some 119 verse 9 how can a young man keep his way pure how can a young woman keep his her way pure the answer is by guarding it according to the word by guarding it keep your li- guard your life protect your life your life that you have found in jesus christ which demands that we live uprightly loving god and his word and aiming for eternity how can a young man do that is it for old people no it's not for old people it's for a young men and women but guard it by his word and thirdly consider the word of god as the living light guiding light same psalm 105th verse your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path how can we guide our life what does guidance come from guidance come from nowhere else but it comes from the word of god your word is a lamp unto my wonderful you are ready and i am ready for a memory verse test we have gone through three beautiful verses of the scripture 190 some 119 54 some 199 some 119 was fine now what to do with it that is that question comes only when the tire meets the road as long as the tires are hanging like the landing tires wheels of an aircraft floating in the air this is okay christian life is okay as long as the pilot has applied the the gears levers so that the the wheel the tires are out but it doesn't touch the ground christian life is so beautiful gliding in the mid air is a beautiful experience the view down is beautiful but there's a time when the tire has to meet the real situations life situations that is when you take your christian faith 
and your biblical convictions to your workplace. That is when you have to take your Christian values to the workplace where the values there are not are absolutely contrary to the Bible, scripture and in contrary to your relationship with Jesus Christ. But the book, the, the scripture says your word is a light unto my path. When we are tempted to tell lies or to, become, to be very economical with truth, let me put it that way. When we are tempted to be very economical with truth, what will guide us? One verse I found is Ephesians chapter 4.15. What is that? Rather, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. Truth, that is the most important. And the condition or the way to speak it is, speak it in love. Am I talking about strange situations? No. In, there are temptations in workplaces. When we have to be very economical with truth. Very economical with truth. And the choice between truth and untruth. Untruth, truth and falsehood. Truth and lies. When that comes, a child of God remembers this word. That is the light. That is the guiding. That is what guards him. Speak the truth in love. There are times in corporate places, workplaces that we always have to go. We have to be in order to earn our bread. Where body becomes a very important issue. When people violate your very personal boundaries, the boundaries that you have around you, your own body and around you. When there are attempts to violate that, your right on your body and God's right on your body, how will you respond? Will you say just for one day or just for a moment? Is that that's okay? Or will you remain, remind yourself with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Our body is not simply an anatomical reality. Our body is not simply tissues and veins and arteries and flesh. Cells. No, it's more than that. When you come to Christ, when you decide to live by his rule, his law, your body becomes, my body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. When a person touches you who is not authorized to touch you or make an advance, remember that your body belongs to the Holy Spirit. It could be your boss, but never given. 
even to a less full stare. A Christian should protect both men and women. A lustful stare. Protect yourself. What matters is not your job. But more than that. I hope I can speak to the youth one day about the Christian concept of body itself. We need to know that. People have no respect for body of others. That is what happened in Unau. That is what happened in Hyderabad. And that will continue to happen unless everybody come to this realization that those who believe in Jesus Christ, they have to believe in Jesus Christ. By believing in Jesus Christ and surrendering their life to Jesus, they have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am very saddened really. The Unawa murder, rape victim breathed her last yesterday. She was violated, raped, and she had gone through so much of uh, uh, pain or the long trial that was going on. And finally, two, three days back, somebody burnt her. And she died yesterday in Safdarjan Hospital in Delhi. That's the country we live in. And that sort of things continue. No moral teaching will help it. Until people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and realize that their body is not simply flesh and bones. But they surrender their lives so that they will respect each other's body. Realizing that. I would ask you this question, brothers and sisters. My prayers go for every day. I pray for all of you who have to live in such places. Working night shifts in call centers or having to travel with colleagues, going out for parties. I know these are all slippery grounds. And as a pastor, I stand with you. I want to promise you that. If you had let me know that you are going through vulnerable situations. It's, it's very difficult. When you are tempted or invited for a social drink, in your company, in a party, office party, would you yield or not yield? Now, there's a lot of argument about social drinking. Can we have social drinking? My policy is that no drinking is... I used to I used to have wine with my friends long, long time back. And I thought it is having some exposure to Western culture, having lived abroad, and knowing that some Christians do drink abroad, not drunk, drink. With the family they drink. I was tempted to take drinks. This is a long time back. And then I decided not to. So my friends, the same friends with whom I would go for for lunch or dinner or a meal, they'll ask me, why person? I said, I am a pastor. I cannot tell my church members struggling with alcoholism the proper limit. 10 ml is okay. There, I minister to people who are vulnerable. 
This may be right or wrong. I'm not making a judgment. May be right or wrong. I'm not making a quality judgment there. But I have decided not to take it so that I am competent to tell those who are struggling with alcoholism, get out of it. To get that competence, I have said bye to any type of alcohol. Any type of alcohol. Because I have to guard my path. In order to guard my path, in order to guard my testimony, even with with my friends who, in their culture, drinking is okay, I don't drink, even in that culture. And what about culture which is not Christian? Go by the word. That is the principle. I met a man, a senior lawyer in Pune. And uh, he had worked with some Western companies. He was a corporate lawyer for a long, long time. The entire career uh, of his career was as a corporate lawyer for a Western MNC. And one day I was talking to him and he told me this story. That he was a Brahmin. And uh, the story is that when he was working for, there was a party in his office. And uh, the foreign the people, the, 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 the owners of the company or directors of the company from abroad, I don't remember which country it was. I have a feeling it is a Swiss company. They had come and they were having a great celebration and the, in a drunken state, their MD came to him, uh, the, the foreigner from abroad and also the, the CEO of the Indian branch or Indian wing. Both came to them, him, in a drunken state and uh, said, why don't you have a drink? And he knew that the coke that is served there is already laced with alcohol. He was aware of that. And he said, he said, no, you just don't need to drink it. Just drink this one bottle of coke. And he knew that coke was already laced or mixed with alcohol. So he said, I will not. So the boss said, no, you should drink. He was drunk. He said, no. Then he said, if you won't drink with us now, you have to resign from the company. And this man was so firm in his convictions. Brahmin. When I spoke to him, he hadn't even heard the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't know what church is. When this conversation was going on, he said, I won't drink. And then he moved towards the reception counter, asked, took a piece of paper from the, the printer in the reception and wrote his resignation and gave to him and walked out of the party hall. Senior lawyer. It was Friday. Saturday was a holiday. Sunday was a holiday. And Monday he went to office. Because he had to give a notice anyway. He went to office. And the CEO was sober by then. It only takes overnight. And then he came to his cabin. Knocked at his cabin. And walked in. 
and pulled a piece of paper from his pocket and gave to him and said, this is your resignation letter which you gave me Friday night. I am not going to accept this letter because all my career I haven't seen a man of such integrity. We need you in the company. And he tore that away in front of him. The resignation letter was tore before him and said, we have never seen a man of such integrity. And that's what a lawyer needs, isn't it? A corporate lawyer. What else you need? A corporate lawyer will drink due to pressure on him. He is not worth his salt. He proved his integrity, but he was not a Christian. He was not a believer. He was not a person who took communion today. He but pure integrity. What more does God demand from us, brothers and sisters? Who know Jesus, who know his word, who know his will. Two important things in this. How can we do this? How can we live according to the word of God? How can we take our Christian life to the corporate places? To, to wherever we work, to our neighbors. First thing, resolve. Stay put. Daniel says in chapter 1-8, the book of Daniel says in 1-8, but Daniel, but Daniel, when the people in charge of their food told them you have to eat food from the king's table, whatever the king decides, whatever we will provide you, the vitamins and nutrients, minerals and all the nutrients that you need for proper development of your brain and your body, we have prescribed it, you have to eat it. Daniel resolved. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And he put his, put his demands. The first thing is, like the illustration where my lawyer, what the lawyer friend did, Stay put. Now why I am keep on saying stay put? The literary translation of that word, which is translated as resolve in your Bible, or many Bibles may have different words. The literal, literal translation, if I had, I translated that verse, I will say, now Daniel put in his heart. That is how it goes. Daniel was established in his heart. Daniel was formed in his resolve not to drink or not to eat the defiling food which is contrary to his God's law. An unflinching stand, standing firm in God's, on God's word. That is how Daniel faced that crisis. All of us should have a personal philosophy which is drawn from the Bible. I had difficult days when I was growing up. Surrounded by people who doesn't share your faith. Being the only Christian among 2,000 people, a college where there were 
2,000 other students. And none of them were believers. None of them knew Jesus. There were two others who used to go to churches. But not anyone. I studied in a Hindu college. My professors were all Hindus. But I had to stand and say, no, I won't do that because I'm a believer. I had to take a stand. I had to say no to that. But I found that my teachers respected my stand in many occasions because they also knew that I'm not crazy. I'm a good student, respectful to teacher, teachers, punctual in the class, and getting good grades. And if such a cannot be crazy, isn't it? They thought there is some essence to what he is saying or what he is doing. We have to do that. But simply don't say that I won't do that, I won't do this, I won't do that. And disprove yourself by rest of other, other things. That's a problem. But take a stand. This is my stand. I have friends. I myself sit with them. When we go for, when I travel, go for meals with other friends, we have a policy that no alcohol should be served on our table. The table we are sitting. That's the policy. We friends get together and we say, no, we say, no, we will not take alcohol. Not only that, we will not sit at a table where alcohol is served. That's a policy. It is not drinking, but keeping away from the temptation. Keeping away from what can ensnare you. Guarding. Take a resolve. Take a resolve. When people smoke in my presence, I tell them, I don't appreciate that. Will you put out your cigarette? Sometimes we have to take a stand. Resolve. Stay put. Be unflinching. But don't compromise. Don't compromise at home. Second thing, we should have courage. Confidence, I should say. That is what Daniel had. Daniel said in verse, chapter verse 12, 112, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Test your friends for 10 days. Just 10 days trial. Then otherwise, if you are not satisfied, you can take your cash back. It's a cash back offer. Test us with water and vegetables for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. That requires a lot of guts. Sometimes in fierce winter, people have advised me, Paulson, to survive this winter. Why don't you have a peg? That will help you to beat the cold. But you like to say, whether I freeze to death, I will not touch it. Why don't you keep a cigarette? Now we are having a 
a bonfire in winter. You know, why don't you have a cigarette with me? But you have to say, no, I can't beat the cold without a cigarette. The fear of consequences. You know what happens? I ended up when I was a young man in the college, the final year, I ended up in a group in the middle of the night. Everybody, they had plotted to drink. They have ordered liquor. And we were all in a room, but that was, they did not tell me. And I was the only person that day. I said to my friends, I will not take a sip of it. But they all made fun of me. Fool made ridicule me. It was a very painful farewell from the college because our last day of meeting with each other. And bottles were brought, they had ordered kebabs, and we, they were having a great time. And I was the only person who remained sober. And that night, after 10 o'clock, they decided to go for a walk. And they started walking and trucking. They were mad. They had drunk too much. And they climbed a cliff. And I was so scared. None of them were in their senses. Just because I was there a sober person, I was able to pull them back from falling over the cliff that day. They, fooled, they were laughing at me. They were making fun of me. And the following morning, when sense returned to them, I told them what they were doing. And they have some, some idea of what was going on. I said, friends, you are trying to climb over and jump over that cliff. But I remained sober. I persuaded you to come back to the room and sleep. And they were ever grateful for me because I saved their life. Think of this, if I had taken a peg of that as well, if in that day, all this worth that ridicule, worth that reproach that I had to go through, because I was able to save four young lives for harming themselves. There will be consequences, brothers and sisters. When you take a stand for God, there will be consequences. But fearing consequences is the weakness. But standing on God's word and saying that God is in control, that's what we have to do. So resolve, stay put in your convictions that the Bible has shaped. Have confidence that God's promises, God's demands, moral demands are not worthless. And then we do that, God comes as well into the picture. The divine part. The word of God makes it very, very, very clear. These people, as, as um, Daisy read the scripture to, to us today, the king found when they finally tested them, finally the test came, when they were put to test, the physical examination, read the scripture again. I don't know how many of you read it this morning. I had sent this 
I had shared it, the scripture passage today morning. I know at least one person have read it. And that's my wife. Praise be to God. I don't know how many of you at a time. You, you want me to ask for a show of hands? One, two, yeah, thank you. At least two more people have read the scripture before the sermon. You know, the thing is that when they were put to death, the king found that they are handsome, more beautiful than anyone else. And they were ten times wiser than all the other boys, all the other men. They were ten times wiser. But so what is what's the secret of that? Vegetables? Salad? What's the secret? The word of God is clear. The word of God says it was a gift of God. Daniel 1.17 As for these four youths, as for these four youths, they had a high percentile. You know why? God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. We'll see some of his visions and some of the dreams as we go uh, proceed in the sermon uh, series. But all came from, not from the juicy tomatoes they ate. It is not in the iceberg lettuce. It is not in the sprouts. It is not in the feta cheese they ate in their salad. God gave them. That's what God does. And the word of God says, I will honor who honors me. It's reciprocal. It is reciprocal. When we stand for God, when we stand on His commands, on His word, moreover then, God gave them favor in the eyes of others. Verse Chapter, verse, chapter 1, verse 9. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. God gave them favor. God gave them this wisdom in all the Babylonian literature. Now we are unearthing the Babylonian literature since the early dawn of the 20th century. Archaeologists are digging out every year new and new texts, literature, clay tablets going back to even 5,000 years from Mesopotamia. We are, we are excavating the, the wealth of Babylonian literature, Mesopotamian literature that they had. But God gave them understanding. Many of the things that we have excavated, we are not even able to decipher understand what it is. But word of God says, God gave him understanding and also special skill over wisdom, over visions and dreams. God's promise, I want to repeat it again, I will honor those who honor me. Let me conclude. What's the funda? One simple principle. You know the truth, 
and live by that truth. Have you found Jesus? Honor him. Whatever temptations that we go through, honor him. Uphold him. Let the world see him. But what will happen to you? Oh, they may make fun of us for a while. But God is in control. He will make everything turn around. It's my, the example I gave. You know, that night, if I had given in, yielded, I would have become somebody who is not sober and would have perished or, uh, jumping over the cliff. But I was not only able to save myself, my friends as well. I still pray for my friends. Though we have never met in life, none of them are believers. But I believe one day, probably, already now, they have come to the Lord. Because my prayers have been with them for the last 40 years. Over. Keep a redeeming distance from others. What is the redeeming distance? A distance where you don't defile yourself, but at the same time you are able to save others. That is what we call a redeeming distance. A redeeming distance like Daniel did. Daniel later will see that he, the king was so delighted in him. The eunuch who was in charge of the mess was so delighted in them. Daniel proved God by his personal holiness. And God give us grace to do the same. Amen.